this week on Unsportsmanlike Conduct, we do a full basketball preview, looking a little bit at college basketball, talk Michigan's super prospect, right, Ypsilanti, and look at a little bit of NBA stuff. Welcome back to Unsportsmanlike Conduct. I'm your host, Andy Levin. As always, with me is my co-host, Jack Crum. And a little disclaimer this week, we are doing our basketball edition, and it was pre-planned, not just because the Browns and the Lions absolutely destroyed themselves this weekend. (laughs) We didn't get so upset that we didn't want to talk football. We planned this, right, Jack? Uh, kinda, I guess. I mean, I, I think if anything, it falls in the perfect zone of, uh, just avoiding the dumpster fire that is our teams. But, um, I mean, it's, it's a, uh, it's a seasonal thing. I'm excited to go look at, uh, some college, some, uh, NBA and just get right into it. Yeah. So, I mean, we can get into this a little bit later, but NBA basketball has obviously already started. We've got, a, we're a week or two into that. We've got a, a kind of a feel for what that is. College basketball starts tonight top four teams are playing i think is it one versus two and three versus four but for starters let's talk michigan with their 15 year old prospect imani bates by this point pretty much everyone who follows college basketball and looks at the recruiting has heard of him he was big sports illustrated cover this week uh we both looked at the story a little bit and just general thoughts on Bates and what you think this how this plays out um honestly I think I think Imani is is super talented I mean it it says a lot just how young he is and when I looked at the story the first thing that I really like thought about was like this is going to be the kid to really like like break into the NBA since those uh, new rules I'm assuming those rules are going to get repealed but um and at the same time, he also has, and we were kind of talking about this before, he's got a lot that he really needs to improve on as far as his basketball game goes because he's got the offense, but, I mean, the defense is is obviously an issue. Yeah, and, I mean, what we're saying is it's not an issue now. He He's better than everyone, but his there's a couple of quotes in there. I'll see if I can look at one, find one real quick. But he basically was just like, offense is what I'm about. I love playing offense. You know, I'll get better at defense eventually, which is true, probably true. I mean, right now he's, I don't know exactly how much he weighs, but he doesn't look like he weighs much. And so it's going to be tough, especially once he gets to the NBA, to kind of body some of these bigger guys. And as he gets bigger, he'll be able to kind of stand his own. But he'll definitely have to get better at the defensive side if he wants to be kind of the in that comparison of magic Michael LeBron If you really want to be there, you've got to play defense. But I think with the work ethic it sounds like he has and kind of some of the stuff he's doing, he's going to be a good player, or at least he has the tools for it. We can't, you know, classify that yet. And, I mean, as far as his size goes, I think that he does need to kind of put on some weight. But, I mean, we have seen – players with that kind of similar body set kind of dominate we're seeing we saw you know Kevin Durant which he's been compared to um and then just recently who I've been really impressed with uh Brandon Ingram of the Pelicans you know same kind of like very long uh skinny kind of body type and they all kind of play the similar type of game but um I mean he definitely can play at that kind of size but the issue that I have is um if he's going up against people that are much bigger than him if he will be 
like durable long term in the NBA if he does play at that weight. I mean, obviously it's way too early. He's still like three years away from the NBA. <laughs> yeah, he's fifteen years yeah. old, so we have no idea. But at the same time, you know, it's like there is still a lot of room for improvement before he makes that jump to the NBA, which is basically where everyone's looking at for him. Yeah, I mean, he's got time obviously to get some of that. And you're right, spot on. I think everyone says Durant. And for a long time, everyone's been saying Ingram is the next Durant. And if you, I mean, I, Brandon Ingram's like my one player who I constantly am like, oh, eventually he's going to be good. I think we all have a couple of those players in the NBA where you're kind of waiting for them to prove it. And then the other night he put up nearly 40. So I'm like, kind of feel vindicated there. But yeah, I think one of the fascinating things about the Bates story is a lot of the best college teams in the country aren't even recruiting him because they're like by the time you can play for us the rules are going to be different we're not going to see you yeah i'm not going to you know i was a duke was like we're not gonna like not waste our time try, yeah. because i mean you're a good player if you said you wanted to come to duke we would take you but you're going to go to the NBA, so. Oh, 100%. And, it, I mean, he's going to be that whole new generation of players, you know, like you said, with the rules changing and all that. And, I mean, a lot of these teams, they just, like, like going out and visiting these prospects and giving them scholarships and making sure that they're good for all those three years. I mean, it's a lot of recruitment effort. It's a lot of money, and it's a lot of time. And in the end, I mean, if you look at a guy like Amani who is a generational talent or it's looking like he is going to shape up to be a generational talent, it just isn't worth it in the end. And I think the one school that he could go to before, if he decided to go to college, which, I mean, I don't think is, you know, really in his bag, would be Michigan State. But at the same time, it's... Well, and I think, one, he's got a work ethic. So I think for Bates, you're looking at him, and I think he's going to be one of those players who can make the jump from high school to the NBA capably because I think that's part of it, where you see some of these guys who have done it successfully have that killer instinct and the ability to just put in work. And some of the other guys who haven't done it notoriously don't have that ability. So we'll see. I'd, I almost wish he had to go to school for a year to see that recruitment process playing out, because that would be an interesting test in three years. You know, the legend of Tom Izzo and the fresh face in Juwan Howard I think would Howard be. would win that. I think I honestly. I mean, think if I'm would. a kid who thinks that I'm gonna play one year and done, Tom Izzo is a legendary coach, but Jawan Howard has been there, you know, not one and done, but as a freshman with expectations. And I think for the state of Michigan, I think that was the best hire Michigan could have made because when you're getting prospects, I mean, who knows who knows better than that? I mean, a hundred percent, and. I, I honestly I was heartbroken because I'm a lifelong Michigan fan. Like I love I love Michigan still, um, but I was heartbroken when John Beeline left because he honestly transformed the program into something that they just they weren't. I mean Michigan was always a football school, and then when he came, the football the, you know the football team was kind of going downhill, and he made the basketball team um, just amazing, frankly. And when he left, I was kind of like, well, there goes the basketball. And then they brought in Juwan Howard, which is an amazing hire. I mean, he's part of the Fab Five, and he kind of has those NBA ties. You know, he's friends with all these NBA legends. So, I mean, I think if you're Imani, I think it would be tough. But especially if you're saying, I think Michigan's going to kind of transform into one of those one-and-done schools, especially if uh, 
Juwan Howard can start to get all these big-time recruits in there. Yeah, I mean, I think he will. And and as the rules change, I think we'll see fewer one-and-dones. We'll see more kids just – if you're going to school, you're going there for two years, three years probably. And I think he'll still be good at recruiting that. I think part of that pitch will be, too, getting Jalen back, yeah. getting Chris Weber back, getting the two of them back at the exact same time. I mean, I wouldn't – everyone's kind of hinted at it. I think at some point this season we'll see – the entire Fab Five. See, that would be that'd be awesome. And I think, I don't know how much it resonates with the current generation of high school students going into college, but ESPN kind of brought it back a little bit with the Fab Five documentary. I think if you've grown up in Michigan, I mean, as we're talking about 20 years, 20, 25 years ago, it's not that far, but I think he'll, it'll be interesting to see if Michigan becomes the, the kind of basketball... Ooh powerhouse at least for a period of time you know i i won't ever say that with izzo as head coach that michigan state's gonna drop back you know per se but i mean juan was somebody who even nba teams were talking about for a while and i mean basketball is really the only thing michigan state has left i mean as far as right now goes uh so i would love to see juan howard come in and swoop that right out of their uh hands that would be Oh God, that would be awesome, man! But I could totally see that. I mean, he was he was talked about for those head coaching hires as well, and um, I think he's going to be just stellar at Michigan. I think you're going to see Michigan um, maybe not make a huge run, but I think that they'll be pretty decent this next year. And then past that, man, they're starting to get five stars already. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. The name escapes me, but they got one just a couple weeks ago, and um, I just I'm I'm all over this program right now. I think I think they're going to improve. And it's hard to improve on what John Beeline did, but I think Juwan Howard is going to – I think he's going to close that gap. Yeah, so um, Isaiah Todd is, is the power forward five-star that just recently um, committed to Juwan Howard. And, I mean, the more five-stars you get, man, I mean, all those guys are, like, interconnected. They all know one another. I mean – It happened with Juwan. Exactly. And Weber and – And you saw it happen with Duke last year, mm-hmm. RJ uh, Barrett and Zion Williamson. Mm-hmm. They they knew they knew each other way before they were on Duke. So, I mean, you never know, man. The world is all about connections, especially in the sports world. And if Juwan can start to build something and get some five-stars in there, they could, they could build a train. Like, Yeah, I'm – I. I think the good thing for Michigan is you've hired a coach who's clearly capable, but also someone who doesn't really like. I won't say he doesn't have higher aspirations, but Michigan is kind of the dream job. Oh yeah, so well, it's he, not I mean, he was he was crying at the press conference, right? So like, it's not like he he's going to be. be successful for five years and then you know here comes North Carolina recruiting <laughs> or so, you know like yeah. I mean, he's, he's not going to get pulled to Kansas. He's the only thing I could see is potentially if he wanted an NBA shot. Mm-hmm would be the only lure, but I still think Howard's always more connected with Michigan and college basketball than the NBA, and even though he won a title. Yeah, I mean, and you've seen Michigan do this pre, you know, in past years when the NBA comes calling, they just they bump up the, the paycheck a little bit and it stays with them, and the only reason why Beeline left is it wasn't because of any anything negative about his paycheck or the campus or the school. It was just because he knew that his coaching resume was coming to an end and he wanted that NBA chance. But you look at Juwan Howard, he is 46 years old. 
Yeah. If he can build this right, man, he's going to be there for a long time. So one interesting aspect of this to look at, and as things are changing, the name image likeness thing, we talked a little bit about it last week. We're still, I think 2021 was when they pegged that they would finally kind of get some of that. But how fascinating would it be if Howard's the coach, and, I mean, Rose, Howard, Weber, those guys kind of initiated some of that, you know, the Black Sox and different things that Mm -hmm. they were doing. To know, like, even right now, you're getting recruited by a coach who knows, like, yeah, like, you want to earn your money. Like, you want to get your fair share. I don't know. That would. I think he has a lot of pull, and I think, I think it's going to be kind of a surprise to a lot of people how quickly mm-hmm. Michigan goes from decent Big Ten school who can occasionally make a run to we're talking about Michigan every year. And I mean, it's not just Amani that that Michigan has pull on. You look at um, the same class, Bronny James as well. If I mean, LeBron's been very public about not going to college. But, I mean, if anyone was to lure him, I mean, Juwan Howard literally played and coached with the guy. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Amani will go to, the, to college. No. I don't think Bronny will be in college. I think Duke, because Krzyzewski is famously, like, close with LeBron, too. I think Duke would have a pull. But I also think if you believe what LeBron is saying and some of the stuff he says, that ultimately the choice would be up to – junior in theory so if he you know loved the lights of la maybe he would want to go to ucla or something but i i would be shocked if in three or four years one or both of those kids ends up i mean and if those two are there why not just add uh zero weight as well i mean yeah just get the whole just get the trio and just build another uh fab five in ann arbor that'd be something but, I, mean, I don't think there's any chance no, of that happening. There's zero. I mean, there might be a chance with Wade. Um, I think Wade's more likely to go to school because he's yeah. not quite as high. Highly ranked on, and stuff like highly that. Highly ranked. Yeah. But he doesn't really have a pull. I mean, Dwayne went to Marquette, but he doesn't really have a pull, I feel like. but Although they do kind of have that heat connection, too, just yeah. from Juwan Howard's coaching and playing days in Miami. So you yeah. never really know. But I mean it's possible too the University of Miami would always be a you know if he Absolutely liked right, if yeah. he liked living in Miami and that type of stuff. But, you get that poll there as well, yeah. Yeah, so uh, let's looking at some of the matchups tonight um is Michigan State they're ranked number 1 and I don't know how you feel about that. I heard a stat earlier today that number one ranked team in college basketball has never won the championship that year. I mean, it's, no one's denying that Michigan State is good this year. I don't think that's even a question because they're obviously good. But my issue lies with just – I and I hate to say this, but it lies with Tom Izzo just because he's a great coach, and even as an opposing fan, I still just – I respect him. But every single year that Tom Izzo seems to have the best team and seems to outsmart everyone, that's when, you know, middle Tennessee comes out of nowhere and, and just, you know, whacks them out of the second round. I just I have a very hard time believing that they're going to be, com- you know, that they're going to compete for a championship this it, year. It does always seem like when Izzo is expected to win, they'd lose. And yeah. then, like, whenever when they're, like, the sixth seed, it's like 
they just they march to the you know he's because he's he's famously just a good coach like he just coaches him up oh yeah you know you look at Cassius Winston I think is probably the highest rated prospect on their team and even he's looked at as a first round hopeful oh yeah you know probably later first round maybe second round similar to Draymond Green guys yeah you know I mean Green played at MSU for Izzo but and you've seen you put him in the right situation he's willing to work and now Draymond Green is arguably one of the most important pieces of one of the craziest five-year runs in NBA history. I mean, absolutely right. And I just, I don't know, I just have a tough time buying into Michigan State because I I think there's no doubt in anyone's minds that they're probably going to get like a top three or four seed. Um, But after that, I I just don't know, man. I think that they pretty much have the Big Ten locked up just because I don't think Michigan is is at that point with with Coach Howard yet, and I I mean outside of that like Wisconsin's good every so often, but I mean do you really see them as like legitimate contenders? Which I mean they're coming into the season unranked, so that's just kind of my outlook on Michigan State, and I might I might have a bias, but that's just history tells me a story, and I I tend to follow what that says. Um, on the flip side of that, the other matchup, so the. It's Michigan State versus Kentucky. That's one versus two. And then three versus four is Kansas versus Duke. Mm. Duke losing RJ, losing Zion. I mean, keeping Trey Jones, who is kind of the fourth, because you lost Cam Reddish too. Yeah. He was the fourth, you know, kind of star freshman, although he was not as highly ranked as the other two. But um, I don't know. Do you think Duke really – how much of a chance do you give the Blue Devils to – I mean, kind of win it yeah. all this year. I mean, Coach K, when you have Coach K, obviously there's always a chance to win it. But the one thing that I feel like Duke is missing is every single year, or at least the past couple of years, they've had that um, kind of like marquee player. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like the face of college basketball. And obviously it didn't help them win it all last year. But, I mean, they were prime time with Zion almost every single day. And this year they have uh, Trey Jones, who's a guard. He averaged just around nine and a half points per game last year. And he's probably going to be their face this year of the program. But, I mean, besides that, I mean, is Vernon Carey going to pick up the load of Zion? Is is Matthew Hunt going to – or Matthew Hurt, excuse me, going to, you know, pick up for RJ? It'll be – I think this season relies 100% on Coach K and how far he can coach them. Yeah, I'm, I almost feel like – I mean, he'll they'll miss Zion, they'll miss RJ, but – he always does a pretty – he just coaches him up. I mean, yeah. Duke's always in it. But the player they don't have that Duke always famously has, and if you can think of one of these guys, let me know. But there's no Grayson Allen. <laughs> there's no, you know uh, – gosh, what was the what was the one a while, a while ago? They won the title with him. Um, there's – there's just missing that kind of guy who's just he's annoying just to other villain. players. Yeah. yeah, the Duke, the Duke <laughs> villain. I mean, Christian the, the Leitner real, the was real, one. Uh, gritty Jim Rat type. Yeah, JJ Redick, Bobby Hurley, Kyle Singler was who I was thinking of early. Like we don't Kyle Singler. You don't have that, that traditional Duke player who no one's really sure how good they are at basketball. They're clearly <laughs> decent. They come up in big moments, but they always just 
They always just... And what do, what do all those players... I mean, they're just... And I, I agree with you. They're kind of missing that... Uh, I mean, kind of like that... Uh, I don't know, the gritty type of, uh, you know, hard worker. Always in the gym. Um, but, yeah, no, I think that's going to hurt him this year. Because that's what said... I mean, Duke obviously like has these star players... But there's always like that one guy that everyone just just that arrogant like just that arrogant like guard that everyone just hates. Yeah. And it kind of takes the attention away from those star players, especially like on the court. Yeah. And it's yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll see, but I I don't know how I don't know how much to ride or die with Duke there. But kind of looking away from those players and Duke and just the NCAA in general, usually basketball for college gets started in March. That's when most people tune in. That's when you can finally judge what these teams are. But the NBA is already releasing, or not the NBA, but ESPN, all these different sites, Bleacher Report is already releasing mock drafts for the next year. Um, I'm looking at one by ESPN. They have James Wiseman at the top, Memphis Center. Anthony Edwards, second. LaMelo Ball, third. Cole Anthony, fourth. What do you think of that right now? Honestly, first, I, I would honestly take Cole Anthony if if I'm the Knicks. And, I mean, I don't think they're going to get the first-round pick because that entire team is just cursed. But Cole Anthony, to me, would be the perfect pick for New York just because he kind of he's he's a good ball handler, right? He knows how to score, and he's kind of he's kind of a quiet type of player too. Which is, if I'm a general manager, I'm gonna pick the quiet Cole Anthony's over the and Lamelo Ball isn't really loud, but like he comes with a lot of baggage, and that baggage is Lavar, and that's just something I wouldn't want to deal with. So I mean, I would definitely take Cole Anthony um, first overall, and then James Wiseman. I mean, seven foot two ten. Uh, you know, right out of Memphis. I think he's going to be a steal, honestly, because you you look at him and he's one of those big men that can really shoot it from anywhere on the floor. And I think that he's definitely got that superstar kind of potential. Can I tell you something that's kind of scary? Yes. Um, well, we're past Halloween, but go for it. Yeah, no, this is scarier than that. Um, so the Warriors are going to lose a lot of games this year. They'll theoretically have a good chance at a top 10 pick if a guy like Cole Anthony goes up the board, if LaMelo Ball goes up the board. They famously have two really good guards. They've got a good power forward. They would really need a center. If the Warriors added James Wiseman, would that just extend their run another half a decade? God, that would be (laughs) awful. It would be awful. I mean, and a lot of people have already drawn this comparison. Yeah. So I'm not. I'm. This isn't a completely original thought. You know, you can find this anywhere on the internet. But it's eerily similar to when Robinson goes down, the Spurs get the number one pick. In comes Tim Duncan, and now we're good for the next fifteen. Well, yeah, it really revives years. your dynasty. Because right now, um, unless Jordan Poole pulls a major um, Michael Jordan with this team. They're not going to win. Like you said, they're not going to win a lot of games. And 
it just I think it would just extend it, man. I mean, it would extend it another well, ten years, assuming he is, you know, as you know, well, what everyone thinks. And he I is. think that's the thing is a, a player like that usually goes to a team like the Knicks. Yeah. You know, where like RJ Barrett's there right now and they, they have Randall and they signed all those mediocre like players to, forwards, yeah. to massive contracts, you know. Good for those guys. Keep cutting them checks, but Usually a player like that goes somewhere and you've got to just shoulder the load. You know, I think of Michael Carter-Williams in Philadelphia when he got drafted. It was like, rookie of the year because there's no one else. Yeah. Like, but if you go to a team that has Steph Curry, that has Klay Thompson, that has Draymond, that is presumably still has D'Angelo Russell, you're the fourth or fifth option. You don't have to do as much and you can learn on the go and your mistakes yeah, there's room aren't for mistakes. as highlighted as they would be you know, or if you have a bad night, you're not, you're not, it's not the end of the world. You can still win and you're learning from people who have already won. So, I mean, that could be best case scenario for somebody like that. Um, one of the fascinating things that we won't know until the draft, obviously, LaMelo Ball and RJ Hampton both are playing, it's in the Australian league. Mm-hmm. I mean, the NBA is changing the rule now, so this won't become something, I don't think. No. But if the rule doesn't get changed for another two, three, four, five years, could this be something? And I think we'll know if these two players get drafted in the top five, then maybe it will. Yeah. If they both slide a little bit, then, you know, I don't know. I don't think I don't think people would follow it if you're not going to get it what you think. But what do you think of the experiment so far for LaMelo and RJ? I think that if they're both drafted top five and they basically walked from getting paid in overseas to getting paid in the NBA, I think a lot of high like rated prospects are going to see that and they're going to be like, well, what am I doing giving free labor for something that I don't really need? Like college is great for, for you and for you and me because we can't, you know, dunk a basketball over other, you know, highly touted prospects. But I mean, for them, I mean, if they already have a job lined up, why would you waste a year basically, you know, having to follow all these, you know, really bogus NCAA policies and all this other stuff to not get paid? And then when you could just go overseas, make money, and get drafted in the exact same or better, you know, spot in the draft, which I think the policy is going to change. Like you said, either yeah. they can just bypass, you know, college as a whole, or they'll be able to profit off their name and likeness. But, I mean, it's worth noting because the NCAA, they need to make some serious changes, and I think they kind of have already. Otherwise, they're going to lose out on a lot of people. I mean, it's not just players. You're going to just, in general, lose out on just the way things work. Right now, they make a lot of money off March Madness, and if you don't have players that people want to watch or, you know, the – more players are going to overseas, you know, because it doesn't. It's not just five stars who people want to watch. You know, people are willing to watch a good team of three or four stars, but they need to make changes. The whole NCAA could implode, basically, with with various states threatening to basically say like, okay, we're going to let our players get paid here. Well, right now, I think you've got California's passed it. You've got six or seven more states looking yeah, Florida's, to Florida's closing in on so passing it. So if then. The NCAA is saying, okay, we're not going to play schools in California. We're not going to play schools in Florida. Well, how many states have to do that before 
now they just make a separate yeah separate you know entity that controls it and lets people get you know a a sponsorship from Graf Chevrolet in Mount Pleasant (laughs) so that Quentin Dormady can sell me on a new you know Silverado (laughs) or whatever like you know yeah and I think they made a lot of good strides and there's no doubt I think that those strides will continue or I hope that they will but I mean. I think that California was instrumental in that because you look at all the schools in in California, UCLA, USC, you know, you got Cal, you got all these other Stanford, big schools, Stanford. And I mean, this spreads over basketball, too. But like March Madness is a huge moneymaker. And if you have all these like marquee players and marquee teams just not in it. Well, and so one of the things that is interesting is people are always like, oh, it's going to ruin college basketball. It's going to ruin college football. And they're like, well, this is what it's going to allow. People are going to cheat. And you're like, I'm going to need you to take a seat because I have to tell you something. People have been cheating oh, yeah. in college sports forever. Um, I was, I'm was, i still reading through, but it was the, the, the new, latest Tiger Woods biography that came out was written by a couple people, and they compiled. you know, They read through all of his books that have been written about him, a bunch of different things. They tried to interview people. And his dad worked for IMG. For like a decade, when from the time he was like six to the time he was like twenty-two and graduate and left Stanford as a youth talent scout, making like fifty or sixty thousand dollars a year, and then Tiger, when he turned pro, signed with IMG as an agent, and you're kind of like, do you think that? And it was like sixty thousand dollars, like his exact amount that he needed to play on the youth circuit, <laughs> and you're like, so this is going on before players could get paid, yeah. Like, you know, Reggie Bush, like, arguably Chris Webber. Like, you know, I think there's stories of Elgin Baylor drove a really nice car during his time at yeah. Kansas. Like, and it's th- not. Yeah, and that's the thing that a lot of people don't realize is it's not just, like, the coach, you know, pounds down your door and hands you a big old, you know, cartoon <laughs> sack of money with the with a dollar sign on the outside. It really isn't that. It's, like, a day before you're supposed to commit, like, a big-time basketball or football coach you know, comes up to like your parents or something and gives them like a brand new, like you said, like a Silverado, maybe right from right here in Mount Pleasant. Yeah. And they're just like, just remember who's, who's going to take care of you while, you while your son's here. And it's yeah. like stuff like that. It's just like influential stuff where it isn't like directly paying them, but it's definitely like bribes. Right. Or it's, you know, people in hypothetical job situations where you, you know, somebody's dad is an assistant yeah. co- video coordinator at a school and then suddenly they're there you know, it's just all this type of stuff. So I, I think the NCAA, uh, NCAA realizes, hey, we've got people now willing to kind of stand up for this. We've got to do something or we're losing our our part of the money. Like <laughs> We'll go from a billion-dollar exactly. entity to something now that doesn't exist that people talk about. And, it's yeah, it's kind of like the NCAA is the Titanic and all these issues is the iceberg. <laughs> and if they don't adjust their course, they're going to sink. And it's, you know... And honestly, if they end up going down, I mean, it's not like college athletics are going to stop. Yeah, I yeah, I think college athletics will change a lot in the next 10, 20 yeah. years where, you know. And you're going to see the first step with um, Imani Bates and all that other different stuff with hopping straight from high school mm-hmm. to the NBA. Yeah, the NBA it's and basketball in general, I think it looks a little bit different than it does for football because for football – like, the NBA, some of those guys struggle with the transition. Now you go from playing 16-year-old kids to playing, you know, 30, 
year old men. Yeah. So it's tough, but in in football yeah. you you go from playing against seventeen year old kids like you would suddenly be like on the other end of a Ray Lewis or something, and you would just be like, you know what, my eighteen nineteen year old body can is not ready for this yeah. coach. I'll sit on you know. So I think they're always gonna get football players to play. It'll just we could almost see something where it's like just the Power Five conferences yeah. are one their own thing, and then you know the Group of Five is something else. But it'll just be fascinating to see yeah. how that all changes out. And and college football is just, like, it's really an adjustment time for a lot of these players because in the NBA, if you got the talent to play, like, you can make that, that step. But, like, high school kids, they need that three years. And you could make the argument that they could squeeze it out in two. But at the same time, like, I, NFL teams don't want to draft 18-year-old kids. Like, they, they need them to prove it against, you know, just some big kid from their math class. It's just you need to prove it on a bigger stage. And in the NBA, you don't really need that, I feel like. Yeah, no, I don't think – I think n- not every kid needs it. Some yeah. of them some of them definitely do. Like Amani Bates, I don't think would have a problem. No. But um, so looking at, you know, some of this draft, LaMelo Ball I think is a player who the media is kind of rising on. He When I first saw his, like, tapes and stuff when – Lonzo was getting hyped. You look at Lamella as somebody who's doing some things that not your average 14 or 15 year old kid can do. But I don't think I ever thought, like, oh, that could be the number one pick in the NBA draft someday. And now he has a legitimate chance. And the one thing that's really helped him is he's he's really grown, like, grown up. Like, he's mm-hmm. he's six six now. He's bigger than his brother is. And he's got a much better shot. The issue where he's going to come and tack is can you like spread the floor and do other stuff besides shoot 35 foot three pointers, which I think that's something that we really haven't seen a lot of so far, but he's definitely got the talent. He's got the IQ for it. Um, and I think that he's really grown up, not just physically, but kind of mentally too, where you saw him when he was like 15 and he was kind of like, like cocky and taking every single shot. And you saw him like, like hyping up the crowd and doing all this other stuff. And now you're kind of seeing him be a little bit more quiet you know, you're seeing LeVar Ball a lot less in the headlines. So I think that he could be very talented, but he's got to perfect the other spots of his game as well. Yeah, we'll see where LeVar ends up on that scale because, I mean, we've seen some of the stuff with him and Lonzo the mm-hmm. last handful of months, you know, not necessarily like Lonzo kind of controlling his own stuff and LeVar being less in everyone's face about it. So I think if LaMelo has that opportunity from the get-go – He'll be better off. Whereas if I'm a team and I saw how it was going with mm-hmm. Lavar in LA, I would just no thanks. Like just Lonzo on, yeah. still could be a good player. Like I don't know if he would ever be like as good as people are saying, but he can get like you know anywhere between like 12 and 20 and points. Yeah, he can be a quality get like 10 starter. assists. Yeah. Like he 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 passes the ball well, and he always has. He just can't shoot. Sometimes, sometimes he, he's getting better. We'll see. We'll see what happens with him, but. Transitioning a little bit to the NBA, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. I've got my answers, and we'll see how long it takes you to get your answer here, and then we can go. But if you had the first pick in an NBA like redraft style thing, which top five? What are your top five players that you would start your franchise with right now? Out of the whole NBA, yeah. So Ooh. not just and I mean, looking more long term than like. You know, if you were going to win one championship just this year, I think your answer would be different. Then. Yeah. So long-term, right off the bat, let's see, I'd go Luka Doncic. 
uh, from the Mavs. I'd go the Greek Freak, obviously. Um, I think I would go. I think I go. Joel Embiid. He's still young enough to the point where he can kind of get there, and he is a dominant big man. So I'm sitting at that's three. Then yeah, you got three. I'll take Zion Williamson. I'll 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 bite on the worm. I, I I I hate the hype around Zion, but he's still. I feel like he can be a very good basketball player. And then five. Honestly, I'm gonna go. I'll go Trey Young, man. I think he's gonna be an absolute stud here in a couple of years. You're starting to see it right now. Yeah, but I'd say that's my five. I feel like I'm forgetting some some big name players, but I feel like I got I feel, I know that my top two at least with Giannis and Luca. I feel like that's got a pretty good future all on itself. Yeah, so um, so I'll give you my five. I, some of it's the same. Like I I think Luca has to be in anyone's top five. Oh, easily, Giannis is the same thing. Like he just keeps getting, if Giannis ever figures out how to shoot the basketball like efficiently from three, like that's just it. like give him he'll win the MVP every year until he can't shoot anymore. Um, Embiid scares me a little bit because he's just injury prone and like so I would like I would I have it written now as like Embiid or Simmons because Simmons is similar to Giannis for if he ever learns how to shoot like he's already a proficient passer he's getting like he played pretty good defense last year so Kawhi I still he's only 28 years old so if you're starting today like yeah, you you, him for you, like can, you can years. only play him for you know fifty five or sixty games during the regular season, but he's shutting it down in the playoffs. And then Anthony Davis, I mean, uh, that's if I've got if I've got a, one player in the NBA and I can start with AD, like that's a pretty good. I was good. thinking of the wrong Pelican. Yeah, yeah well thinking, he's a Laker now. Yeah, or yeah, that's yeah that's what I meant. But yeah, no, I mean, yeah, but Luca. Giannis, they're pretty much on everyone's list. Trey Young, I like. I don't know if he's ever going to be an MVP yeah. type of player. We'll see. Well, I was he, thinking super I mean, young. I, I think the best thing with Trey is Trey Young's. He's going to be an All Star, All Pro type of player, but he also just fits Atlanta. Like he does. He's. I don't know he's why really necessarily, needed. but like Atlanta and Trey Young just work. Oh, like hundred percent. And I, I think you're really going to see him take that next step and become kind of like the the Steph Curry type of player here yeah. in the next couple of years, especially as, and I'm hoping, Atlanta gets him that help. Um, but, I mean, he averaged almost 20 a game last year. I mean, he was a rookie then. Yeah. And you're seeing him make strides even more as a sophomore. So I think I think it'll be interesting. But, yeah, I was yeah. thinking super, super young for yeah, that one. Zion would have... Zion, I haven't seen I, Zion. I know it. No one's anything. seen him, but I'm just like. And I think he. I know he doesn't say his weight is a problem. The other his coaches don't say it's his a problem. His weight's a problem. But I mean, your basketball is just. It's a known fact that it crushes your knees and oh, all yeah. your joints. I mean, look at D Rose. So uh, next question. So Western Conference playoffs. I have the Lakers, Clippers, Mavs, then the Nuggets, Rockets, Jazz, Blazers. Spurs and then Phoenix, we'll see like how, like they're kind of, if they keep playing like this, they'll be in it, no doubt. But these, this is like the best six game stretch I think we've seen them play in the mm-hmm. last 10 years, you know, since Steve Nash was the point guard. So I want to see them play more than six games before I hand them the two seed. Um, all right, let's see here. So Eastern, 
Eastern Conference, I'll take I'll take Miami. I'll take uh, Philadelphia. And this is no order. I'm just so yeah. Miami, uh, Philadelphia. I'll take Boston, uh, Milwaukee, Toronto, and then the last three in. I'll say I'll say Atlanta, Brooklyn, and the final seed our very own Detroit Pistons, because I don't believe that Tom Gores would let them miss an eight seed. <laughs> I Indiana could get in over them, I think. Orlando. I, I just feel like, though, if they're they're going to be, like, consistently mediocre throughout the year, so if they come up to that trade deadline, there are a couple games below it, I feel like Gores is going to make a couple stupid trades that will set them back another 10 years, <laughs> yeah. but just to clinch that trade, eight seed trade, and lose trade their to the first. One. First overall, trade their first round Ugh. pick for Kevin Love. Oh, man. Why would you put that thought in my head, man? That is just... Because I want I want everyone <laughs> listening to know that the Cavs should trade Kevin Love. <laughs> Let's go into full-on tank mode. Um, speaking of tanking, the Warriors, are they tanking, do you think? I know they keep saying they're yeah. not. Yeah. I mean, you look at their lineup, and I could only name you one of their players in that lineup because that player went to Michigan. So it's not Willie Cauley Stein. Not, I mean, Willie Cauley Stein, that dude's been irrelevant for years, man. I thought he was actually going to be good, too, when he was on the Kings. But, I mean, I don't think that they're going to be tanking. I just think that they're going to be so bad to the point where they're just going to lose every single one of their games, if there's a difference. I mean, they they have all these injuries. I don't think Clay plays. I don't think they're going to rush back Steph I don't either. think Steph's going to get rushed back. Draymond now is going to miss weeks, and originally he was day-to-day. Like, I think... I think they're tanking without tanking. Like without That's say, a good way to put it, like, yeah. We're not tanking, but because every one of our players got hurt, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna make sure that a KD situation doesn't happen again. You know, which kind of brings me up to the point. Like, let's assume they're not tanking, but they've played in the finals now for was it five straight I mean that's exhausting five straight years. Yeah. Do you think part of that is why Katie got hurt, why Steph got hurt? Why percent, yeah. Like it's just not not because I mean there's it's unavoidable. Mm-hmm. But you're playing that much basketball for that like consistent. And you kind of saw I think that there's some evidence throughout history of this kind of happening. You saw like the Lakers throughout the eighties and they you know when they started playing that late into the postseason that many times you kind of saw that wear and tear. You saw all these different high, you know, profile players get hurt, and that's what really allowed that old Pistons bad boy franchise to kind of squeak in there. You also saw the same thing with Boston in the early 2000s. It's just, it's kind of a way of life where you extend your season into June that many times. It's really just exhausting to just turn around and do the same thing four months later. And I think that you are seeing kind of this fatigue, which I think will be interesting next year to see how they bounce back because I think this is kind of like... This is the equivalent of like a Christmas break for the Warriors, where it's like they're all kind of they're all kind of tired. They're done with school. They're just gonna rest for these couple weeks, and then I'm I'm curious to see how they bounce back. It's though. it's like summer break. It's yeah. It's you're it's, done. It's you're long-term. done with May. You're like you know next year I'll try harder. <laughs> next year that GPA will I'll be on the, yeah. the presidents list. You know I'll be on the deans <laughs> list. You know because if it, winter break is what they've had for the last you know six five or six years yeah. where it's like you get three weeks off in May and then you take, you know, a full semester yeah. of summer classes or something. <laughs> like It's just you're constantly going. And you look at a lot of those years, like, I mean, they went seven with the Thunder, then go seven with the Cavs. And, you know, they were going five or six with the Cavs every year. And then 
you know, last year to go seven again. It's just they weren't sweeping every series. They were they were fighting through it. So oh, I think yeah. part of that. And this past year, you saw the just how exhausted that team was, especially Steph when he was had, was carrying them for that couple of games. I mean, he's just not the kind of player that's built to kind of carry yeah. a team like that. And I mean, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what they do next year when they're able to fully come back healthy and maybe and add some pieces add a, like a top five yeah. or top ten pick exactly, or utilize that trade D'Angelo Russell and a and a lottery pick for a player that you think could fill that role. I mean, yeah, you could maybe trade D'Angelo to, um, you know, right off the bat, like Minnesota, for example. They've shown Get some cat. mutual. Yeah, they. I mean, Cat and D'Angelo are good friends. Maybe well, pick I up mean, a couple picks from to, them. You'd have to get Cat, I think, yeah. in return. If you think you'd have to get Cat? See, I think that'd be a deal breaker for Minnesota winding oh, I mean, those up. I don't necessarily know if they would, but I'm sure there's a franchise out there that at some point in the summer is going to realize they have a superstar that doesn't want to be there. Well, it happens every single year where just a superstar out of the blue is just like, yeah, I want to be traded. Yeah. And you're just like, like I, I still remember when I saw Kyrie wanted out of Cleveland. I was like, I was standing there, I was like, like what? Oh, I mean that effectively ended the Cavs. It right you know. there it ended yeah. everything. Yeah, but yeah, no, that's why I love the NBA, man. It's just so. Um, speaking of superstars that want out, do you put any stock into what Anthony Davis has been saying for the last week? No, honestly, I mean I know that he's been hyping up Chicago and all that kind of stuff, but I mean especially if he comes and he has an MVP year and he's still got LeBron. I think maybe that'd be something to look at for the future. Maybe. I mean, LeBron's probably going to be done before AD is. Oh, but, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, he's he's definitely going to be in L.A. for at least until LeBron leaves or retires. And that's just kind of where I am, especially, like, if they start making deep postseason runs, start winning championships, he wins, you know, a couple MVP awards. I mean, there really is no reason to leave right now. Yeah, I'd, I don't buy it only because I— Chicago hasn't really done anything. Like, if you go to Chicago, it's almost like being at the Pelicans again, except you're in Chicago, yeah. which, it's you better. know, and, and it's his home. So you can, I feel like you can never quite rule that out. Like, there's there's some tricky stuff that could play into that. But I don't know. At this point, I don't buy it just because I, yeah, the surrounding cast, we'll see what Kuzma looks mm-hmm. like, you know, this year. But I, I don't quite buy it. But uh, it yeah. it's interesting that, I mean, we're less than a week in, to, or you know, a week or two into the season, and he's already kind of allowing that speculation to happen. Yeah. Whereas, like, if it was a one hundred percent sure thing he's staying in L.A., I don't think that this would be going on. Yeah. So it's it's intriguing that some of the speculation, you know, maybe it's a message to LeBron, like, hey, don't don't mess this up or. <laughs> Or you, you know, you can find yourself another superstar. Whereas if you're LeBron, you you got Palinka to trade all oh, the yeah. player, all the players in your team for Anthony Davis, and now it's just you and Kyle Kuzma and Contavious Caldwell <laughs> oh, Pope staring God. at each other in a room. And I, he kind of tried to backtrack like off those comments today, but I just don't think the situation's right in Chicago. I feel like when it's all said and done, he will be there eventually. But the situation just isn't right. The same for him. way Wade was there. Yeah, exactly. Like, like he'll go and he'll be like, "Oh, I'm in Chicago, I'm back home." But, I mean, who's who do the Bulls have right now that Vibe. they could like, like pair up with him, like or at least like next summer? Like, I don't know. Just not. 
a reasonable expectation. So I think we'll see it eventually, but not for the next couple of years. Yeah, well, you know, Detroit Detroit needs a player to, you know, maybe Imani Bates. Oh, man. He's, he's born so close. Yeah, we'll get Imani, and then we'll sell a bunch of tickets, and then we'll do nothing with him for 15 years. It's a, it's just like playing football on Thanksgiving, just a Detroit tradition to ruin talent. <laughs> Yikes. On, the, on that note, I think we'll wrap things up for the week. Thanks for listening, as always. 